Well, friends, as we continue in worship during this hour together, what a joy it is in a moment to go to God's Word. A reminder, if you haven't been with us, that we are in a sermon series going through Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. It's one of 66 books of the Bible. We refer to it as uh, the book of Philippians. And if you, again, have been with us, you know that the approach we've been taking isn't just to look at some of the highlights or to rush through this letter, but to literally walk through this letter this remarkable book of the Bible, a word and a verse and a chapter at a time. It's almost like when you travel somewhere and you know, you're willing to get out of the tour bus, you're willing to go beyond just the, the highlighted recommendations on the internet, but you're willing to, to walk the streets and get to know what the locals know, to explore things that perhaps aren't in the guidebook. And as we experience travel in our physical lives, often when we have those remarkable moments, we come home transformed, we come home changed. And it's our hope and our prayer that as we travel through this letter, that we would experience the living God who not only met the Philippians back then in the first century, but meets us here today. Now, as we get to this section of scripture in Philippians chapter three, verses 12 through uh, the end of the section, verse 20, we get to the topic of space and time. Now, this, uh, this topic I, I want to give you a little heads up on is it's going to require our full attention. This is a, a topic that you can't be multitasking in and really grasp. You need to be completely present. And so my hope and my prayer is that you would really lean into this moment because there is a truth here, as there is throughout all of Scripture, that if we allow it to, to saturate our thinking and our doing and our living, it will transform every area of our lives. But before we get into it, I want to let you know of a, a really famous study that was done many decades ago. It was called the Marshmallow Experiment. Maybe some of you have heard of this. Uh, they got together a group of four-year-olds into a room and they gave each of those little kids, those young girls and boys, one marshmallow. And they said to all the kids, all right, what we're gonna do is we're gonna leave this room uh, just for a little bit of time and we're gonna come back. And if you still have your marshmallow in your hand uneaten, we'll give you a second marshmallow. Well, you can imagine how this played out with four-year-olds. The instructors left the room, they had cameras rolling and they saw immediately, as soon as the door shut, in some cases, even before the door shut, many of the kids ate those marshmallows. Perhaps you, perhaps I would be in that camp of kids as four-year-olds that would just, you know, we couldn't resist the temptation. We couldn't wait. And we just, we gobbled it right up. And yet there was a smaller subset in that group that actually, for some reason, was willing to, you know, follow the instructions uh, was willing to kind of wait it out. It was only a few minutes to hold on to that marshmallow without eating it so that when those instructors came back in, they got the second marshmallow. Now, here's what's fascinating is they got those same four-year-olds together 14 years later as 18-year-olds. And they put them through a long list of a questionnaire. And they found that there was two very, very distinct Differences between how each of those groups ended up as 18-year-olds. They found that the group that was willing to delay gratification scored higher on their SATs. They found that the group that was willing to delay gratification was more content in life. 
and they found the group that was more willing to delay gratification uh, was really able to project ahead goals that they were able to, to pursue. Now, the other group, the, the marshmallow eating immediately group, the ones who were unable to delay gratification, they found that group uh, to be more anxious, more envious, and really unable to chart a plan often in the future. But they also found the shadow side, the, the other side of both of those groups. They found the group that was willing to delay gratification in many ways, unable to really enjoy the present. They were so focused on the future. Uh, and the group that was so focused on eating that marshmallow immediately, actually they found was able to be more present. In fact, this, this study led another researcher by the name of Philip Zimbardo to come up with a thesis. He even wrote a book that you can read about. It's a secular book. It's a phenomenal book. It's called The Time Paradox. And he puts people into two different categories. There's people who have a present time perspective, and there's people that have a future time perspective. And his thesis, his view of the world is that there is nothing more influential in our behavior and our thinking than which time perspective we live in. Now, you might even be able to self-reflect in this moment. Are you somebody that really lives more in the present or somebody that is more living out into the future? And with that study, and as I've experienced in life, just with myself and my family and my friends, no time perspective is perfect. And yet there's another category. I've experienced it in my own life and in other people's lives. There's some people who, who live in the past, and you might say it this way, are stuck in the past. In the space and time that you live in, whether the past, the present, or the future influences how you think, how you live, how you love, how you view yourself, how you view God. But as we get to this passage, the Holy Spirit's going to reveal to us through Paul's letter to the church in Philippi that there is another way. That isn't the way that we described as either just in the past or the present or the future. And this whole sermon is how to live in the right space and time so that we would be people that live into all that God has for us, that we would be the best neighbors, that we would be the best parents, that we would be the best workers, that we would be the best citizens here on earth if we learn how to live in the right space and time from God's perspective. So if you have your Bibles, we'd love for you to open them up. Again, we're going to go to Philippians uh, chapter 3. And though Pastor Mike Morgan uh, preached on uh, a section of Scripture that I'm going to overlap in just slightly, uh, he went all the way to verse 14. I'd love for us to start in verse 12 because it gives a little bit of context. And I'm going to read for us Philippians chapter 3, uh, verses 12. Actually, let's go all the way through 21. This is the reading of God's word as we get into this. Not that I've already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on 
toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us then who are mature be of the same mind. And if you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have already attained. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have often told you of them, and now I tell you even with tears. Their end is destruction. Their God is the belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. This, my friends, is the reading of God's word. As we say every week, thanks be to God. Now, if you caught in the beginning of that section, you might think that the direction that I'm going is to, to orient us towards being future thinking people. Of course, Paul says on one hand right here, uh, you can see in verse 13, beloved, I do not consider that I've made it known, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. And you might think, okay, okay, I, I know where you're going. You're calling us to not live in the past, not live in the present, but to live in the future, have a, a future perspective, to look out towards what's ahead. But Paul goes on, and this is where it's going to require us to be absolutely present. My prayer is that the Spirit of God would be able to reveal this to you as God has revealed this to me and many theologians and mature Christians. As Paul details here, there is something much more profound about how we are to live in the proper space and time. And there's three points that I want to make. would love for you to write these down whether on paper, on a tablet, whatever device you have in front of you, would love for you to write these down and to, to pray about these things, to chew on these things and to ask the Spirit of God to reveal to you the great profound mystery and practicality of what this means. The three things are this. In this section, Paul's gonna talk about thinking today from the future. Second, doing work today that is already completed. And then finally, living on earth today from heaven. We're gonna cover space and time. This is gonna stretch our hearts, stretch our minds. And I believe that if we allow God to, to get us out of our paradigms that I believe are just earthly and lack God's vision for our lives, remarkable things can happen. So let's take a look. Let's just go verse by verse, beginning in verse 15. The Apostle Paul writes, let those of us then, you know, that word then is a reminder that what he's about to say flows out of the previous thought. As Pastor Mike Morgan preached last week, there is this truth that we can't allow or let our, our previous accomplishments be the the fuel which drives us forward to pursue Jesus Christ. It's not our, our good deeds or our bad deeds that should hinder us from leaving it all behind and facing and running after the prize that is Jesus Christ. And yet he gets into some remarkable detail here. 
Listen to this. Again, let those of us then who are mature. The Greek word that in the New Revised Standard Version has been translated into mature is the word telestoi. Now, some translations say perfect. The word telestoi baked into that word is the word telos, which has to do with the end, the completion, the finality of something. In theological terms, there's a really fancy word called teleology, and it is the study of end things or end times or how things will, will be in the end, not in a, a final book closed Nothing after that, but really the beginning of eternity in God's presence. And so the Apostle Paul is saying something here. He says, let those of us who are mature, who are telestoi, who are perfect, who are complete. Again, this is going to be a stretch for some of us. But the Apostle Paul is saying that there is something that has already happened. He's saying that we are already complete in Christ. He's saying that we are already perfect in Christ. He's saying, and and catch this, we are already at the finish line in Christ. He says, let those of us who have arrived... Set our minds on that reality. You see, this is a shift of language. You know, some people, and there's a very secular, a very uh, kind of modern worldview set that says this, you should set your mind on where you want to be in the future. The world says you're living right now and you've got to set some goals. You've got to envision what you want to do. You've got to envision and set your mind on what you want to accomplish and there's this huge movement in our world right now that says, you know, you're, all you have to do is you just have to manifest your future. If you just envision yourself winning, if you just envision yourself standing up in front of a crowd of people and delivering without uh, stumbling, if you just envision where you want to end up, then you're more likely to get there. This is one of the most uh, pervasive views on how to think today is to think about where you want to end up. And therefore, if you think about where you want to end up, you're more likely to get there. The Apostle Paul says, no, 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 that's not it. You have to change the order of things. He says, this isn't about thinking today about where you want to get in the future. This is thinking today from the future. Vastly different. Again, take a look exactly at what Paul says. I'm not making this up. This is straight from the the language here in Scripture in verse 15. Let those of us then who are mature, who are already there, who have arrived, who are perfect, who are complete, who are in the presence of God. And yet there's this aspect that we just flowed out of that the Apostle Paul says, 
I haven't yet attained it. I haven't yet reached it. And therefore I press on towards it. There is this truth that when Jesus came in the flesh, he started something that he will complete. And from an eternal perspective, he's already completed it. It's kind of like, I'm sure many of you have experienced this, where either you've watched a movie in its entirety, and then you watch it again. You know all the details of how it's going to play out. And if you watch it a second time, knowing how it's going to end, not wondering how it's going to end, but knowing with a certainty of how it's going to end, it changes your view of the rising and fall of action throughout that movie. In the midst of conflict, it, you experience it differently the second time because you know the hero's going to make it. This person's going to be lost. You know all the details. The same is with a book. When you read a book again, when you know how it's going to end, not wonder how it's going to end, it changes how you experience it from beginning to end. If you record uh, a sports game or you hear the final score after the fact and you watch it from beginning to end, knowing what the final score is changes your emotional response to all the ups and downs throughout the entirety of that game. The Apostle Paul is trying to unlock our hearts, unlock our minds to this remarkable truth that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, from an eternal perspective, there is a future destination that we currently are not yet in. There is a future time when all things will be reconciled, where we will be, as we're going to talk later on in this sermon, where we will experience the glorification of our, of our physical broken bodies. There's an eternal time and space where that's going to happen. And from God's perspective, God is in the eternal now. Jesus is in the eternal now. The Spirit of God is in the eternal now. And there's a possibility that the Apostle Paul is saying that mature believers can live into is that when we think about things in this present moment today, when we think about the relational dynamics that we're going through, when we think about the things that we're needing to do, the things that we've left undone, that there's a way to approach how we think about today from an eternal future perspective that God has completed and finished all things. So let me give you a very practical example. Let's say you're in a place where you are stuck and you think, you know, gosh, I just, I'm just, I'm just always a bitter person. Or I've always been a person that just needs to be in control. I just micromanage everything. And we can get stuck in that thinking, thinking this is always how I've been and, and likely I'm never going to change. Or maybe we take the next step that the world says is, you know, you just need to picture yourself in the future as not an angry person. You need to picture yourself in the future as somebody who lightens up a bit. And if you just picture yourself in that state in the future, you're more likely to get there. The Apostle Paul says, no, 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 let's take it even deeper. There's a future reality where you are filled with so much peace, you can't even wrap your mind around it today. 
There's a future reality where you have relinquished all control and you've given your life in the presence of God to the one who, who can guide you and lead you to the, the glorious things that he has for you. There's a future reality where all the brokenness in your life has been put back together, where you are now glorified in God's presence, absolutely whole, absolutely filled with joy, absolutely filled with peace. And it's a glorious existence because it's all that God created you to exist in. From God's perspective, he's in the future with you right now in that place. And God alone has the ability to be in eternally different places across the eternal spectrum. And again, I'm telling you, you can't be multitasking in this moment. You've got to be present. This is, these are lofty, profound things. Do you realize that in this moment, if you said yes to Jesus, that from God's perspective, you in a resurrected body are right now in the new heavens and the new earth. Christ has returned. All things are made new. All things have been reconciled and we're experiencing for all of eternity the glory of what it means to be in the presence of God. As it says in Philippians 1.6, I'm confident that God who began a good work and you will carry it on to completion of the day of Jesus Christ. So imagine if we can allow the Holy Spirit that dwells in us, imagine if we can allow Jesus that dwells in us, that lives in that eternal time-stamped place with us there, Imagine if that spirit, that Jesus, the Son of God, can guide our thinking right here and right now today. If you recall a sermon that Pastor Kim gave a number of weeks ago in Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, it says, Let the same mind be in you that is the mind of Christ. This is revolutionary thinking when you realize that the mind of Christ isn't just a historical figure from 2,000 years ago, but Christ and the mind of Christ is an eternal mind that stepped into our space and time that dwells in us here, that has a future perspective that can give us a perspective in our moments of anxiety, our moments of doubt, our moments of fear, that Christ says, even though you don't know the end of the movie, even though you don't know the end of the book, even though you don't know the exact score at the end of the game, let me tell you that I accomplish all things that I want to accomplish in your life and in this world. When I allowed God to, to reveal this truth to me, to not get stuck in just the past, not get stuck just in the present, to not just get stuck in the future, but to think today from that future place, it revolutionized everything. In a number of weeks, we're going to talk about how the Apostle Paul says, I've learned the secret of being content in every and all circumstance. And we're going to dive in deeper to that place and to that truth. But for right now, there's this remarkable, remarkable thing that it's not about setting your mind on future perfection, but rather you are already perfect in the future, so set your mind on it. Allow that future reality that's gonna happen. And from God's perspective, has already happened. Shape your thinking. This is not rational. This is not natural. This is supernatural. 
And it requires us to die to ourselves, to not just think with our human minds, but to pray, Spirit of God, would you give me the mind of Christ? In this setting right now, in this circumstance that I'm in, in this relational dynamic that I'm in, right here, right now in this place, would you give me your eternal and future perspective? And would that invade my present tense situation? And give me your perspective. Watch what happens when you pray that prayer. Spirit of God, give me your perspective. You'll find yourself transcending past, present, and future. You'll be more present in your thinking, but in such a way that no other worldview offers. Let's continue on. The second point is doing work that is already completed. I don't know if you've had the experience. I know I have. I'm sure many people have uh, of, of putting a lot of time, putting a lot of energy into a project that, you know, over weeks or months or even years or decades never gets finished. You know, you put all of your energy into a project and it gets shelved. You put all of your energy into a film and it never gets produced. You put your, all your energy into writing something or designing something and it never gets published or never goes to market. Maybe you put all of your energy into a relationship and it ends up dissolving and breaking apart. Maybe you put your, all of your energy into a job and you get fired. You put all of your energy into, you know, uh, something. And it just, you never see the fruit of it being completed. And I hear so often, I've said it so many times in my life, ah, ah, that was such a waste of time. If I would have known that this is how it would have played out, I wouldn't have invested all that time, that talent, that treasure, all that energy in the first place. You see, we have finite amount of time here on this earth. We have a finite amount of resources on this earth. And so every single human on the planet, every moment of every day has a decision to make, whether they realize it or not, on where to spend their time, where to spend their energy, what kind of work they can engage in. And God is calling us to do a work that matters, to do a work that lasts, to experience a life that doesn't have dead ends, doesn't get shelved, doesn't get looked over, doesn't even just last a year or a decade or multiple lifetimes, but God is calling every single follower of Jesus Christ to do work that lasts off into eternity. I want you to see exactly what the Apostle Paul says here. Right after verse 15, in verse 16, it says this, only let us hold fast to what we have attained. Now, the Apostle Paul here, when he uses the language in the English, the New Revised Standard Version that's been translated to hold fast, it has to do with behavior. Verse 15 has everything to do with thinking. Now this verse has to do with doing, with how we translate our thinking into action. To hold fast, I know in the English language, doesn't give that sense. You can hold fast to something in your thoughts or in your heart. But the Apostle Paul here uses a word that, that has to do with marching in a direction. It also gives the image of, of rowing in the same direction. It has to do with movement. It has to do with activity. It has to do with action. It has to do with work. Again, 
Paul is saying right here in verse 16, only let us hold fast to what we have attained. Some translations say to what has already been completed. Some translations say to what we already have done. Again, <laughs> this requires uh, such focus here. I, I acknowledge that. It, it ultimately requires the Holy Spirit to reveal these truths to us. This is a remarkable truth that we aren't just called to think today from the future, but we're called to work today on things that have already been completed. Now, number of verses, again, I've already mentioned this, but Philippians 1, 6 says this, I'm confident of this, that the one, this is God who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. You see, what Jesus has started, he is going to finish. And the work that he started is so pervasive, it goes beyond just your personal life. The work that he started is so pervasive, it goes beyond all of humanity. The work that Jesus started goes beyond all of that through all of creation. He is reconciling all things to himself. He is defeating death and sin and Satan once for all. And he's transforming us into that which God has always longed for us to be. Made in the image of God and thriving in that reality in God's presence. And so the Apostle Paul says, there's something that happens when you're able to have a mindset. You see, the world says there's a, a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. You might have heard this very frequently recently. You know, a fixed mindset is just, I, I, I'm not going to grow. This is just who I am. But a growth mindset, which is elevated and lifted up, is, is somebody who is willing to grow, who is open to growing, who is actively pursuing growing. This takes it infinitely beyond that and says, from an eternal perspective, all the work that God has ever wanted to do, God has done it from an eternal perspective. And just a sliver of that work is to transform you perfectly into the image of Christ. Perfectly holy, perfectly patient, perfectly forgiving, perfectly joyful, perfectly humble, perfectly courageous. Again, from God's perspective, God has already finished that work. In Philippians 1, 6, when the apostle Paul said, I'm confident this, that God who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. That's not wishful thinking. The verb that he uses and the language that he uses for I'm confident of this is absolutely sermon, as if you've already watched the movie, as if you've already read the book, as if you've already known the score and the outcome of a game. So when Jesus invites you to follow him, when Jesus invites you to put into practice the way of Jesus, when Jesus invites you and commands you to practice the one another's of, of loving one another, praying for one another, encouraging one another, bearing one another's burdens, to pray for your enemy, to forgive those who wrong you, that's work. And it's such a different perspective when we realize that it isn't Jesus from the past pushing us forward into that work, but rather Jesus is in the future pulling us towards him.
a question. When you envision Jesus, where do you picture him? In the past, alone? In the present, alone? Or in the future, alone? Or is it a biblical perspective, which is none of the above because Jesus is eternal? He has always existed. He has no beginning and no end. In in, uh, Genesis 1 and in John 1 and Colossians 1, it talks about how Jesus is the agent of creation, that all things were created through Jesus and by Jesus and for Jesus, that he is the word of God, that God spoke all things into existence. So Jesus existed from the very beginning. He is uncreated, eternally in union with God the Father and God the Spirit is God the Son. And yet Jesus in Philippians 2 stepped out of time and became one of us. So yes, we can look at him in the past, but we can also look at him right now in the present, that he dwells in us, that he walks with us, that he carries us. And scripture says also right now that he is at the right hand of the Father, but also there are visions of that future place. You see it in Isaiah. You see it in Ezekiel. You see it in Revelation, where us in human history get a vision of that eternal future reality. And we see Jesus on the throne in the new heavens and the new earth. You see, revelation isn't speculative future. It is the future in breaking into our present moment. That's why some of the language is impossible to wrap our minds around. I mean, I've often said this, imagine if Imagine if you had uh, an airplane, you know, a big jumbo jet, 747. Imagine if you had that jumbo jet uh, go back in time, let's say to the 1500s. How would the people in the 1500s describe that jumbo jet? They'd have no prior construct for it. They would describe it as, I don't know, a, a metal bird that all of a sudden just swooped down and landed and and people uh, were swallowed up by it when the side opened up and they marched right. I mean, how would you describe an airplane if you had no prior construct of it? That's why the future breaking into us revealed in scripture, again, Revelation, Isaiah, Ezekiel, other places, is, is so hard for us to wrap our minds around. But the Apostle Paul is saying right here, we need to behave like, We need to work towards, we need to hold fast to, we need to march in a direction towards work that has already been completed. Now, I gotta tell you, I don't know how you react to that, but that actually encourages me so much. Let's say there's sin in my life that I, you know, the Lord brings it to my attention. I'm reading scripture and the spirit of God reveals something to me that I wasn't aware of. And I now, I'm commanded to confess that sin. And even to confess that sin to another brother in Christ, for example, to be sharpened, to be encouraged. When I realize that the completed work that God has already done in my life from eternal perspective is that I've confessed all things, that I'm aware of all things, that I am vulnerable before a holy God in all things, knowing that God gives me grace and love and forgives me because of what Christ has already done. It actually gives me more boldness and more courage to step out and confess that sin. Or maybe it's to 
to share my faith with others. And I have moments as a senior pastor, I'm on an airplane. I might be somewhere in a context that, you know, maybe I'm tired or I just want to, you know, spend time with my book and just be with myself. But I get this prompting from the Holy Spirit to, to have a conversation with somebody next to me or, or somebody that I'm stuck in a long line in and to, to share the reason for the hope that is in me that is Jesus Christ. And in those moments, I, I don't know how the person's going to respond. I don't know if they're going to be open to having a conversation about Jesus. But when I realize that there's going to be a future place in which all people know who Jesus is, they either bow before him in worship or they bow before him in judgment, that there is a future trajectory that from God's perspective has already been completed, then it gives me courage in the moment to join God in that work so that I can be part of that movement towards Jesus reconciling all things. I mean, imagine, let's just take sports, for example. Imagine if, if you were told before the game that you were on the winning side, no matter how the play developed throughout the course of the game, no matter how far behind you got, no matter how hopeless it got, no matter how impossible it seemed, what if you were told before the game, here's what the score is going to be and you're on the winning side? Wouldn't you even more so in those moments of, of not thinking how possible it's going to be in those moments of being tired, in those moments of being discouraged, how much more would you show up at the fullness of yourself to do that work? I know I would. The Apostle Paul is saying this, don't work towards things that you hope will be completed. When you join God in God's work, that's the work that lasts into eternity. And from God's perspective, it's already been completed. I know these are massive things, but we're talking about how to live in the right space and time. From God's perspective, it's done. From God's perspective, he's reconciled all things and he is meeting us in our present drawing us towards the future that he orders and ordains for our lives and longs for us to be a part of. Now let's continue on in this third point. We are called to live today on earth from heaven. Listen to this passage right here. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven and it is from there that we are expecting a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to specifically get into these words here. Our citizenship, we are familiar with citizenship. Some of us are citizens of one country. Some of us have dual citizenship. We think of citizenship often as uh, our place of uh, birth or our dwelling place. The Apostle Paul is speaking to a group of people who live in Philippi in the first century and of course, they're part of the Roman Empire. Some people have chosen to be part of the Roman Empire and some people have not wanted to be part of the Roman Empire and they're not citizens of the Roman Empire. And there's all this complication on the first century in that cultural context. And Paul lifts their eyes beyond their earthly citizenship and says, right here, right now, present tense, our, as followers of Jesus Christ, our citizenship is in heaven. There is a heavenly reality, a heavenly space that we have been born into, that we now dwell in. 
Now, here's what's key. The Apostle Paul reveals to us that heaven isn't just some future reality often in the distance that is very disconnected from our present day experience. He says this, our citizenship today is in heaven. And listen to this. This is absolutely remarkable. Our citizenship is in heaven and it is from there that we are expecting a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, not only is our citizenship in heaven, it's not just some future citizenship left on hold until we get there. He says, no, our citizenship is not only in heaven, but from there, from heaven, we are expecting present tense. This is mind-blowing if we allow the Spirit of God to reveal this truth to us. Again, this is, this is advanced following of Jesus type of stuff. This is deep theology. This is mysterious in some ways. But Paul is saying our citizenship is from heaven and from there we are expecting. Right now we are living, ready for this, from heaven on earth. And you might think, well, that's a stretch. A lot more verses that back up this good theology, a few of them. Ephesians 2, verses four through seven, but God who is rich in mercy out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. And you're like, okay, I can follow that. But it goes on. By grace, you have been saved. Ready? And God has raised us up with him and seated us with him, present tense, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul says, yes, your physical body is here on earth. And yes, what you can see is the physical, but there is a spiritual reality that is even greater than this, that right now you are a new creation in Christ. You've been adopted into God's family in Christ. You've been called out of darkness into light in Christ. You are part of the royal priesthood in Christ. You've been called to be an ambassador for Jesus. All those things. But your dwelling place is in heaven, in Christ. And where's Christ right now? Christ is at the right hand of the Father. Imagine how differently you would view circumstances in your life when you feel like you're alone, when you feel like nobody's in your corner, when you feel like you have no idea how to live, how to think, how to act, what decision to make, to allow the Spirit of God to reveal you that there's two truths. One, that Christ is in you, and second, that you are in Christ. Paul is trying to remind us that there's not this vast chasm between earth and heaven. There is this thin veil. There is a spiritual realm that is, is right here and right now. And when Jesus came in the flesh, wherever Jesus went, people experienced the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. The inbreaking of the kingdom of heaven. And people experienced the already, but not yet fullness of what that means. And so Paul is saying that right here, right now, we live in heaven. 
But as we live in heaven, as we dwell in heaven, as our citizenship is in heaven, we are called to live out that truth here on earth. You know, maybe you've heard before that people are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. But in actual fact, the people who are the most heavenly minded are the most earthly good because they have a sense of security. They have an identity that can't be shaken. When they see the rise and fall of movements and things all around them, they don't get shaken. They don't get discouraged. Even as Jesus says in this world, I promise you, you're going to have trouble. Don't be surprised when you have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Imagine what it would be like to live your life today on earth from heaven. Of course, Jesus calls us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But we don't have to think about that just from earth and heaven so far off. There's these two truths. Again, we live here on earth, but also we are dwelling in Christ at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And we don't have any idea the fullness of what that means. And we won't know what that means until Christ comes again in that future day where the book of Revelation says, heaven will come down here, that God's dwelling place will be here with us on earth. The old heavens, the old earth will pass away and the new heavens, the new earth will be one and the same. And Paul concludes here and he says this, on that day, he will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. In this sermon series, we've learned about justification, which is the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are forever set free from the penalty of sin. We've learned about sanctification, which is the ongoing journey of being set free from the power of sin. In this moment, Paul is talking about the future reality of glorification, where Jesus will set us free from the presence of sin. The physical and the spiritual will be one. We will have resurrected bodies, physical and spiritual. That's the work that Jesus, from our point of view here on earth, will complete. From an eternal point of view, has completed. So Paul is saying, friends, set your mind on those things. Live in accordance with that completed truth. Live here on earth from heaven. This is the life that God calls us to in Jesus Christ. It's my hope and my prayer for you that it would be revolutionary as the Spirit of God enables us to live in the right space and time. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you have come to transform our thoughts, our actions, our very beings. You didn't come to give us an upgrade. You made us entirely new. So through the power of your Spirit, would you unlock these truths so that we, we live for your glory? that we would be the best citizens here on earth because our citizenship, our thinking, our behavior flows out from your godly, your eternal, your heavenly truth. It's in Jesus' name I pray and we say together, amen.